Hi there, Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching, and today we're gonna to cover why you keep thinking your child's progress is a fluke, and how to break out of the meltdown cycle for good. Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. So, parenting a highly sensitive child who is stuck in a meltdown cycle, if you are struggling with this, this is the place to listen to where your challenges are and what you need to pay attention to to break out of the the patterns. Here at MTC, we help parents of highly sensitive kids eliminate the daily meltdown, shutdown, refusal cycle in as little as eight weeks, and we've helped hundreds of families do that. So the purpose of our show is to support you in noticing where you get stuck, what your challenges are, and what is possible for you so that you can stay focused on how to get out of it, but also uh, observing what it takes to get out of the pattern and what you need to be very honest with yourself about when you are stuck in the pattern of the meltdown cycle. So what is the meltdown cycle, right? This is witnessing your child struggle with daily meltdowns, multiple times a day meltdowns, or even multiple times a week, melting down, throwing things, hitting, kicking, yelling, uh, pushing, saying things uh, like your child wishes that they were dead, that life would be better off without them, or uh, saying things like they were going to, they're going to kill you, or threatening to hurt other people in the family. Now, this might be possible uh, experience something that you're experiencing in your home, or you might be experiencing more shutdowns and refusals in your home. And we can see this run the gamut for children ages two through fourteen. Um, and then all the way up through high school as well. Though high schoolers, we typically see more of the shutdowns and refusals. So what's going on in that dynamic is, is potentially your child is running away, slamming the door, spending a ton of time on screens, having either major screen time meltdowns or just uh, losing it, yelling at you, uh, throwing this, the phone, etc., or just hiding it and sneaking away to tablet time. Um, or uh, sneaking away to their room and and avoiding responsibilities. So if this is happening on a regular basis, when I say regular, I mean daily, multiple times a day or multiple times a week, then that is not developmentally appropriate for any child, okay? Highly sensitive children are uh, much more likely to get stuck in the meltdown cycle if they are raised in a mismatched parenting household. And that is our specialty here at MTC, uh, helping parents break out of that meltdown cycle. And it is incredibly important for you to know that as a parent, uh, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not, um, you know, 
broken. Uh, what is broken though is the parenting strategy, okay? There's a mismatch between what, how you're trying to parent your child and what your child needs. And it is critically important that you are able to take that feedback with, um, you know, with the grain of hope, uh, noticing that that means that it's a heck of a lot easier to change a strategy than it is to change you as a human being, right? You can't swap yourself out uh, as the, your child's parent. And it's also important to notice that when you keep this pattern going for, for years, you can start to think that uh, your child does need a different parent. And that's the topic that I'm gonna be speaking about today. Uh, the frustration, the worry about seeing your child's progress and wanting to notice if progress is ever going to stick. So much so that it gets to the point where you feel like your kid needs a different parent. So we're gonna speak about this because we worked with a family earlier um, and, and we ha had this conversation where the parents were feeling like they needed to ship their child off to auntie uh, to live with their aunt. And this is, a, this is a major challenge that we see many parents wonder about and some parents get very close to doing. And so I really wanna talk about this because uh, it's not something that the typical parent coaches are talking about in this dynamic, okay? Um, many times parents are, and, and parent coaches are focused on uh, solving the problem of you know yelling or solving the problem of your child um, using disrespectful language or keeping their hands to themselves and highlighting this behavior for children ages four through six. Uh, but when your child gets to the age of 10 and that behavior is still happening, uh, that expertise and, and who, who is talking about this type of behavior starts to shrink, right? You start to wonder is, um, you know, is, the, is the expert that I'm listening to only effective at supporting parents whose children are younger because hitting for a five-year-old is more developmentally appropriate than for a 10-year-old, right? So um, what's important for you to notice is who you're listening to as the expert in breaking out of this pattern because an expert in, in child development is different than an expert in breaking out of the meltdown cycle for highly sensitive kids, okay? Um, this is a subset of a subset. And so it's important to understand that you might be hearing um, and following generalist advice that is actually keeping you stuck. So when we talk about being able to break out of this pattern, highly sensitive kids struggle to generalize skills, okay? Um, and when I, I speak about this family and, and use this as an example, right? Um, when your child is exhibiting a skill like managing their emotions and politely asking for things that they need, you might see this behavior perhaps in school, like that family that I'm, I'm mentioning, okay? Um, and say, for example, your child is capable uh, at 10 of asking for, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, excuse me, following through on their responsibilities, turning in their homework, um, asking questions when necessary if they don't understand something in the classroom, um, basically behaving, quote unquote, like a perfect angel in school, all right? And then when your child struggles at home, it could be really difficult for you as a parent stuck in this meltdown cycle uh, to see how that behavior at school can be translated into the home 
And if that's not happening for years and years and years, um, you know, obviously not for lack of trying to set uh, expectations appropriately. We see lots of parents who will engage in lecturing, talking to their children about how they need to behave, talking about uh, talking to their children about how um, using language like and uh, delivery of that language, yelling, cussing. Uh, is not appropriate. I will not tolerate that in my household. You need to be able to speak with me um, and ask for me for what you need, not demand it, etc. Um, those conversations can feel like they're falling on deaf ears. And if your child is showing a skill in one avenue of their of their life and not at home, or not you know, and vice versa, right? Showing the skill at home but not at school, or showing it at school and at home but not in sports or, or whatever, right? So just notice that your child can be demonstrating this behavior of uh, you know aggressive or um, ineffective meltdown behavior in some avenues of their life, but not all. Um, it still runs the um, risk for you as a parent to start to think that their behavior is by choice. And this is what we're going to talk about today. A lot of myths uh, that you can start to develop and start to believe as a parent when you, when you deal with this problem over and over and over again. And it's important for us to dispel those myths. And one of those myths is that your child is struggling and yelling and, and maybe even cussing at you or um, threatening you or, or saying or, or hurting you physically by, by hitting you or hitting siblings in the home, etc. Uh, and because that behavior is not demonstrated in other avenues of their life, you can jump to the conclusion that your child is choosing to behave like this. Now, how does this happen? This happens because of an ineffective attempt to manage the behavior in um, earlier on, right? So say, like I've said before, this 10-year-old, this parents of 10-year-old, they, they didn't just all of a sudden at 10 decide that this behavior was not acceptable and all of a sudden at 10 decide that, um, that they were all done watching it happen and decided to send their kid away to live with their aunt, right? Um, no, that's not what happened. At five, at six, at seven, at eight, at nine, parents spent countless hours talking and lecturing and taking away privileges and um, and and uh, holding uh, carrots and using things like sticker charts or um, long drawn out conversations around you know using positive parenting skills even just saying things like I know you can do it and you're better than this and why are you uh, responding in such an unsafe way and this is not acceptable in our home and even noticing that this way of parenting these tactics that the parent was using were effective for their other children right and this is a family five that we're using as an example here and so these parents are starting to think well maybe it's just the, this child my daughter here is just simply not wanting to feel better um, does not want to live in our household safely so then what's the next next alternative after years and years and years of trying to help your child change their behavior in your home you might end up going to the point where you start to think maybe my child shouldn't be living with me Maybe my child should go live with Aunt Sally. And that is where that, that, that family who came to us started to, um, you know, started to think. And, and what's incredibly sad uh, and important to understand is at that point, what we know for sure is when a parent is struggling at that level, there's a, there's a deep-seated 
guilt that you're dealing with when you're wondering if you're not the parent to parent your child, right? Um, and, and what we know to be true is that even if you are thinking of this or you are wondering about this, it, it is highly unlikely that you will send your child to go live with someone else. Why? Because you love your child, you are not going to give up on them, um, you wanna keep tr trying in that relationship, and also because there's, there's um, a disconnect between taking action on that uh, and uh, who you see yourself as being as a parent, right? Because if you are sending your child to go live with someone else, and you're not incapacitated, right? We're not talking about parents who are dealing with the disease of, of you know, serious mental illness or de dealing with the disease of substance use disorders, et cetera. We're talking about parents who are functioning um, very effectively in their jobs, parents who are functioning very effectively with parenting their other children in the sense that their children are able to manage and demonstrate safe behaviors. And so these are families who have, um, uh, potentially even graduate degrees in their field. Uh, often times we see this happening where parents start to wonder, maybe it's my child is just, um, you know, not a good fit for me. Okay. And I really want to cover the difference between thinking that you are not the fit for your parent or child compared to the strategy you're using is not the fit for your child. Okay. The parenting strategy is not who you are. Okay, and this is really important. You might think that your automatic way of parenting your kid is part of who you have to be and part of who you are. And uh, it's really important for you to notice that those two things are separate. Why? Because in order to change the way that you parent consistently, you have to be detached from the strategy that you're using right now that is not effective. Okay? You can't be taking it personally um, in a way that consistently keeps you stuck. And so when we help our clients break out of this pattern, you have to notice that you can value follow through. You can value that your child is, is able to um, listen to you and follow through on your expectation without hearing no from your child and then being and taking that personally, without seeing a challenge from your child's perspective and taking it personally that your child is not able to, to follow through and thinking that A, you're a bad parent or B, your child is disrespecting you. If you're having both of those or one of those uh, responses, then that's a clear sign that you're taking your child's behaviors personally and you are much more ingrained in your in your parenting strategy and part of you is starting to think that um, that that you are the problem now there's a big difference between thinking you are the problem and thinking your parenting strategy is a problem if you think you are the problem and you're not ready to change what happens you start to, to hear what I have to say here as um, you know as, as something that you need to defend you start to get defensive you start to feel uh, frustrated and you start to feel like um, that there's no hope okay that there's skepticism in it being that easy because your parenting strategy is so ingrained in who you are right so it's incredibly important that you start to observe is my strategy working can I separate my identity of who I am as a person from the strategy that I'm using even if it quote-unquote worked for my other children so this is critically important. We help our clients do that. There's a lot of mindset work that, that is required to, to, um, to break out of this pattern. And it's also true that for you, uh, whether or not what we work together or not, it's critical that you break out of this pattern and taking that personally. Secondly, 
Uh, it's important to observe how your child is generalizing these skills that you want your child to demonstrate in the home. So if you're seeing your child uh, struggle with managing their behavior safely in the home, it's important a, that you're not taking it personally, and B, that you're noticing that when your child is, is demonstrating that behavior at school, it might not mean that they're doing it safely, okay? It might mean that your child is struggling more pervasively than you think. And that is also important news, and it's actually good news for you as a parent, because when you have a different strategy, then you can change the way your child relates to the world entirely, okay? Uh, what we see often for highly sensitive kids stuck in the, in the meltdown cycle is that they grow up to be people-pleasing workaholics at best, or at worst, they engage in regularly destructive behaviors either that's either self-destructive or other destructive. Self-destructive is uh, drug use, promiscuity, um, uh, self-harm and suicidal behaviors, okay? Um, and then other destructive is aggression, um, you know, damaging relationships, closing off relationships, shutting down in relationships and writing people off. Okay, so all of that is important to notice because if you're starting to see some of those signs for your child, if they're you know, eight, nine, 10 and older, then it, it is critically important for you to act now on shifting the dynamic that you have in your relationship with your kid because that is not going to change if you don't change how you're responding to your child. Uh, the, the response that you have in how you're helping your child grow is the change agent for your child, okay? So the way that you communicate and uh, the way that you support your child in changing their behavior is why is what, what moves the needle, okay? So when we think about being able to break out of this pattern, it is important for you to notice that if, if you're starting to observe that maybe your child needs a different parent, maybe your child needs a break from you as a parent, uh, that level of uh, frustration and aggravation and obvious exhaustion that you're dealing with is important for you to acknowledge and admit to, to yourself. Uh, why? Because if you don't, then you're going to be living a life where you're, you're just dying a death of a thousand cuts because you know that you're not likely going to send, ship your kid off to Aunt Sally, right? But if you don't change the dynamic, you'll still harbor that resentment for a very long time and hoping for things to get better without a strategy isn't going to actually change the dynamic that you have in your household, okay? We see this for parents, um, especially those parents who are in the helping field. So, 70% of the families that we work with are parents who work in the helping field. These are doctors, nurses, therapists themselves, coaches, um, uh, where am I going with this? Teachers, professors, okay? Um, most of the families that we work with, uh, if there's two parents in a pair, um, two parents in, in the parenting relationship, 70% um, of those families have uh, one parent in the helping professional, okay? So, um, and then for single moms, the, the the, um, uh, the statistics are a little different, single parents, but uh, we still see a lot of helpers come into our, um, into our world. And one thing that is critically important for, for those of you who notice you're in the medical or helper or educational field um, to, to observe is that you might be desensitized to the intensity of uh, the challenges that your child is having because of the nature of your job. And so when we think about what's important to observe for your child's strengths and skill sets and how children learn to generalize skills, it's important for you to notice that if you see drastic behaviors in your workplace, 
you know, extensive behaviors, say for example, if you're a trauma therapist or you're an ER doctor, et cetera, then it can be really difficult to take the behaviors that you see for your six-year-old or your 10-year-old or, or your 14-year-old uh, seriously at face value if you see worse in your work position, okay? Uh, and that's really important to notice and to hear uh, from me here today because um, as a trauma therapist myself and, and all of the experience I had working in uh, with traumatized youth, um, the, it is still critically important for me to parent my daughter using the systems that I teach our, our clients um, and, and to act when I see any sort of signs of emotional dysregulation skill gap because you can't let your child let, end up in the level of intensity that is uh, relevant to what you see in your job, okay? Um, so it is important for you to notice that. You have to start earlier um, in order to turn that around. and. Um, and so starting to pay attention to, oh, I just want to send my kid away. Uh, that's a clear indicator that you have been hanging on to this problem a lot longer than you need to. Okay. Um, so I'm going to just uh, say that there and, and, um, uh, and, and notice the bluntness that we're, that we're addressing this topic with, uh, because we can see, you know, those of us who are helpers and who are our parents, it's important for us to not uh, self-sacrifice our own family's dynamic because we've seen it worse in other people's families, okay? Um, th that's critically important that we hold ourselves to standards of peace and joy and um, carefree follow-through and, and developmentally appropriate behavior. You know, it's, it's developmentally appropriate for a six-year-old to say, I don't want to go uh, to a thing and then for them to stomp their feet and then to talk to you about it or to move through that emotion and then to eventually go, right? Uh, but if your child is outright refusing, shutting down, uh, having a meltdown at, at transitions, and that's their typical behavior, then that's not developmentally appropriate. It's not developmentally appropriate for a four-year-old, let alone a six-year-old, uh, or a 10-year-old, or, or a 14-year-old, okay, and, and beyond, 16, et cetera. So when we think about that, it's important for you to, to notice how to break out of this pattern, okay? A couple of things that need to, need to happen. You need to be able to observe how skeptical you are about your child's progress. And when your child is demonstrating behavior that you wanna see in the household, you need to acknowledge that with both yourself and your child. You need to acknowledge that and, and show your child that that's more behavior that you wanna see. And you have to believe that your child is able to repeat that behavior over and over again. You cannot, Come at it though from a place of believing that your child is choosing not to show you that behavior when they show it, when they don't show it, okay? You have to decide that your child is stuck in a cycle of emotional overwhelm and emotional discontrol, lack of control, okay? Um, that's critically important uh, to, to notice because at, when you notice that, then you can start to observe the, the skill gaps that your child has. Children who struggle with dealing with disappointment, who struggle with dealing with being able to tolerate discomfort are much more capable of moving through those, uh, those struggles when their parents notice that that's the gap rather than a choice. Um, I'm going to choose to be miserable today, said no child ever when they woke up, all right? Um, and that's really important. The difference, and this is something that I was talking to our clients about today on our, our coaching call, um, the difference between a child's capacity to physically choose to clean up 
uh, for example, versus the child's emotional capacity to deal with disappointment, to notice it wasn't the, the expectation that they were hoping to deal with today, and also uh, that they had something else on their mind and that expectation is not being met. So extra disappointment on that as well is what's inhibiting your child from breaking out of the pattern of consistently following through on your expectations in a general, um, you know, reasonably reasonable amount of time, right? Um, so obviously if your child says, uh, I can't do it right now, but I, can I do it in 10 minutes? And then they follow through in 10 minutes, you'd be fine with that, right? It, that, that level of quote unquote negotiation um, in most circumstances, you know, as long as you're not trying to get out the door for a super emergent appointment would be totally fine with you. But the outright refusal, the, um, you know, life is terrible and I can't handle this response, that's obviously something that's creating a lot of strife for your whole family, um, yourself and your child, uh, you know, and, and this is why it, it feels insurmountable to handle, okay? So uh, setting expectations that in general your child can, can follow through with uh, consistently, you know, 80 to 90% of the time, um, we're not looking for perfection from our kids here. It's incredibly important to notice that if your child can't hit that target 80 to 90% of the time, then you have a problem that you need to work on that particular behavior about. So um, obviously we, we know that there's lots of behaviors that you could be working with your child related to transitioning, um, going out of the house on time, going from one activity to the next, cleaning up, brushing teeth, and engaging in independent uh, self-care. Um, you know, following a nighttime routine, following homework, et cetera, right? So I'm not going to necessarily um, uh, get down to the nitty gritty on those pr particular things because the principles of how you shift out of this behavior is, is the same, all right? Uh, and this is one thing that I think is incredibly important because most of the time uh, you'll hear from um, parenting experts around uh, giving you the nitty gritty perspective of how to get your kid to brush their teeth or how to get your kid to follow through on a bedtime routine, etc. And they'll focus on tactics. Okay. Um, here's how to help your kid brush their teeth. Um, you know, give them choices or here's how to help your kid, um, uh, go to bed on time, help them see that if they don't go to bed on time, they're going to be tired in the next morning. Right. None of that is relevant when you don't understand the principles of, of the skill gaps that your child has. When you understand the principles of the skill gaps your child has, and then you can learn to grow those, uh, shrink those, those skill gaps, then you can handle any parenting problem. This is why I don't give tips and tricks in these, in these shows, right? Because the, the, the tips and tricks keeps you in the cycle. Uh, and this is important to, to notice. What we talk about here at MTC is different than what other parent, parenting um, experts are talking about because the problem is much more pervasive than those parenting experts are, are um, letting you on to believe, okay? Which is a clear understanding, uh, clear, it was clear to me that they don't understand the true, true gravity of the problem. Um, and obviously, like I said, the gravity of the problem leads to wanting to send your kid away to Aunt Sally. So clearly we need to be working at this at a different level than just uh, telling you how to get your kid to brush their teeth at night. So when we think about that um, and, and observing this, this is why we do what we do uh, in, in a group setting. Okay, so it's important to understand that, that breaking out of this, this cycle 
requires you to solve this problem in a community of other parents who are solving this problem. Um, just working with a professional one-on-one -on -one is not going to actually support you in breaking out of this pattern. Why? Because you're only going to have your reference point of how your child is doing that, that keeps you wondering whether or not your child can do it. <laughs> and you can't look at your kid's past history of struggle to then dictate your child's future of success. So when we support parents in noticing the, the group model and, and staying connected to a community of following through on a system of, of you know, and you guys have heard our system before, so it's you know, addressing your assumptions and supporting your kid and breaking out of these patterns by noticing what's possible for your child and stop talking to your kid with you know, bated breath and waiting for the other shoe to drop and wondering if they can follow through and treating them like they're fragile, right? while simultaneously giving your kid the opportunity to have space to come on board, okay? You can't um, say, you know what, you're not fragile, you're gonna have to suck it up and do it, right? That's not what we're talking about here. So you don't save your kid from natural consequences, but you don't punish your kid in order to get in line either, okay? Um, you have to find that balance. The next thing you have to do is, is you need to be able to make sure that this is playful communication. Children need to learn through play. It's the way that they, uh, it's the language that they speak. So these conversations need to be enjoyable for you. They need to be enjoyable for your child. And um, it, it, you can't do that if you're coming at it from resentment, right? You can't call up happiness and, and playfulness and, and um you know, and fun uh, when you're mad at your kid all the time or frequently, right? So you need help to get out of that pattern. It's not something that you're going to just be able to all of a sudden wake up today and say, I'm going to choose to be happy today. And, and gosh darn it, if my kid doesn't follow through playfully, then um, I'm just going to do the same thing tomorrow. No, you won't. <laughs> you won't. You won't do the same thing tomorrow. It's human, human nature to say, if this doesn't work today, Oh, then I'll try to find something else that'll work tomorrow. And that level of inconsistency is actually going to keep you stuck, okay? So you need help if your kid is stuck in, in the meltdown cycle at this point. Professional support is necessary. Uh, whether that's with us or with some, someone else, that's up to you, right? We're not a fit for everybody. Uh, our level of uh, support and the way that we deliver that support is, you know, not everybody's cut out for that and not, not everybody's a good fit for that, and that's okay. Um, and, and so that's important to notice as well. Uh, what, we, what you need to do when you find a professional to support you though, is you need to understand these principles because you will not break out of the pattern if you don't follow these principles, whether that's with us or somebody else. So the other thing that, that's important to understand is that when you're isolating, right? Um, when you're thinking that you're the only one who's dealing with this problem, which is what somebody who says one-to-one -one work will solve the problem is perpetuating for you, then you're going to stay stuck. Okay, you need to be able to have consistent evidence that you, that other people have solved this problem just like you, um, just like you can. Okay, and therefore you are no different than them. All right. Now, if you believe that you are unique and you need proof from um, from your own child's behavior by trying out a tip or a trick from us in order to double check that it's the right place for you, then we are not a fit. Because in that respect, what you're trying to tell yourself is that your situation is so specifically special that no one can help you unless you know you can be helped because you've proved it to yourself. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. The prove it to me energy is going to show up in your relationship with your kid. 
okay? And so you need to be able to trust the, a professional who has solved this problem consistently over and over again. If you show up to a conversation with your arms crossed and a, yeah, 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 I'll believe it when I see it, your child will never hear from you that you have faith that they can do it. That attitude will not solve the problem. And that attitude will show up, if you're showing up to a professional like that, you're showing up to your kid like that. And your kid hears that from you, even if your words are different. Even if your words are like, okay, buddy, we're gonna do it, I promise, right? Like, I'm sure we can make it happen. A slight twinge of sarcasm is picked up by your highly sensitive child. They're highly sensitive. They notice small details that other people don't notice. So stop fooling yourself that you can fake it till you make it. You have to follow a more effective system that supports you in changing the way you think about your kid before you even start to, to try to attempt a new parenting behavior management strategy with your kid. So your kid is going to read right through it and half the time when you change the parenting strategy your kid's already reading right through it i know what you're doing mama i'm still not going to follow you i'm i want to watch more tv i do not want to brush my teeth right how many of you have heard that from your five-year-old and so now that the time your kids set 10 <laughs> what are you worried about? Oh, my kid sees between you know the lines. My kid's gonna um, notice what I want to have happen. My child is skeptical with any change. My child can't change through me. They have to change through somebody else. That's the conclusion that you jump to after trying this for five years. It's not true. It's not true. It doesn't work like that. And it's really important that you understand that, that you have had this thought that your kid sees right through you over and over and over again. And that has turned into a belief that your child doesn't trust you and will never follow you. That second belief, incredibly important to observe. But you cannot ignore the belief that we just named is that your child doesn't trust you. That's true. Your child doesn't trust you, not because of who you are, not because you're a crappy person, okay? Not because you're a crappy parent, but because the system that you're stuck in to try to use isn't working isn't working. And that has led you to start to question your uh, capacity to parent your child. And that is simply just not going to work consistently if you don't change that dynamic. That has to be the first thing that you change, okay? So it's like the old adage, which I don't even think is true, of, of um, you know how you boil a frog, right? So if you're gonna throw a frog into a pot of boiling water, the frog is gonna jump out. But if you put a frog in, in some warm water and then you slowly increase the heat, the frog is going to eventually boil because the frog gets used to the heat so much so that it doesn't notice the slight changes over and over again and the slight uptick in intensity over and over and over again. The, the frog becomes numb to the escalation of the problem. And I encourage you to observe, have you started to become numb to the escalation of this problem? When your child was struggling at six, and you saw that behavior as fixable and you started to fix it in, in different ways and using traditional parenting strategies like uh, one, two, three magic or sending them to their room or time outs or um, uh, sticker charts or behavior charts or removing privileges. And now you're using the same tactics and you're wondering maybe you're just not the right fit. You're the frog in this situation and you have to learn how to how to get yourself out of the pot before it starts to boil 
okay? So when we when we have our clients move in uh, through the system in a group setting, they see other parents celebrating the change in that dynamic for, for their highly sensitive child. And they start to realize that they are no longer unique in this problem, okay? Uh, why? Because one out of every five is highly sensitive. That's 20%, okay? 20% of the population. But there's a much smaller percent of the, of the population stuck in the meltdown cycle, which means you probably don't know anybody in your local community who is stuck with this pattern. Okay, so it's very difficult probably for you to find other parents who are dealing with the same level of intensity as you. Or if they are, they're likely experiencing the same thing that you're experiencing, which is shame and guilt and worry and fear, right? And so it's unlikely that they're sharing with you the gravity of the problem, just like you're unlikely to share the gravity of the problem with your friends. So there's a lot of isolation in this dynamic for you as a parent. This is why we talk about this over and over again on our show, because we're not here to sugarcoat things and we're not here to make you feel better, sunshines and rainbows, and here's a nice thing you can say to your kid, and that's gonna make your kid feel better for a day, and then you're gonna go ride that train into adulthood. It's just not gonna happen. You need to follow a more effective system, and believing that no one has it as bad as you is keeping you stuck, okay? Um, and so this is, this is important. All right, this is why you need to fix this problem with more wraparound support. So um, when it gets to be as bad as your child making chronic and consistent action towards hurting themselves or to hurting others, the wraparound support you need is dialectical behavior therapy. This is the training that my um, myself and, and our, our uh, director of coaching have. It's the type of therapy that we offered when we ran the private practice for the, for the several years that we did and uh, the training that I had prior to even starting my own first business. And that level of intensity required four components, okay? It required individual therapy, where the child, the, the, the parent and the teen are working together, or the parent and the child are working together, so one-to-one -one with a therapist. It required parenting support, okay? Um, in, in the sense of the, the parent working one-to-one -one with the with the coach as well as in a group setting, the, the therapist in a group setting. And then it requires uh, round the clock support. So the, the team member being the, the teen or the family member being able to reach out to the therapist outside of the appointments. And then it also required consultation where the therapist is working with their own professional support to make sure that they're staying true to the model. Okay. And then it also required uh, group work. Okay. So this is a five section model, group therapy. So this is therapy two or three times a week plus being able to, um, to, talk to, to talk to the therapist outside of the appointment and for the therapist to also take time out of their day, um, out of their week to work with professional and, and set an appointment on that to make sure that they're carrying uh, the cases that they're, they're doing DBT with in an effective way per the evidence-based model, okay? That's a very expensive model. Think about it, three, therapy three times a week because your child has developed uh, life-threatening behaviors, right? Um, think about that and, and noticing that if you're not there yet, then you're headed that way if you haven't fixed the problem and you're starting to think that abandoning your, ch your kid is the, the next best solution, right? And you know you won't do that. But what you will do is emotionally check out from the relationship. And that's like the slow boiling situation that you don't know is coming. And it's incredibly important to notice because it's something that we saw again and again in, uh, in the therapy work, which is why the therapy work took so, so long. Now, this therapy work for teenagers where kiddos were, um, were struggling with that life-threatening behavior, one to two years minimum in solving this problem. 
even with the, the two to three times a week uh, therapy. Why? Because parents were checked out, um, not believing that their child would change, and the child was checked out. I mean, think about how um, devastatingly full of pain you need to be in order to want to die, okay, and to take action on it. Um, there's a significant amount of pain you're, you're experiencing, uh, right? Um, people don't just do that out of a whim. It's a lot of pain. So um, when we think about the gravity of that situation, you might be wondering, well, my kid's six, like what, you know, why are you talking to me about this? Or my kid's 16 and they're not doing that, Megan. So, you know, why are you talking to me about this? Well, because if you're struggling to relate to your child and you're having a hard time feeling like um, your, your child isn't changing their behavior and you don't have a system to do that, then you need to be able to notice that that is the gap and you need to take action now. You can't keep waiting for your child to grow out of it. Highly sensitive kids struggle with generalizing their behavior. Your lack of faith in your child's ability to, to generalize their behavior is a symptom of the meltdown cycle. Okay, this is a problem that we see parents deal with over and over and over again and you have to take action to break out of that pattern. And that action requires professional support. So um, to do that, you need to be able to, um, you know, to, to thoroughly communicate with the professional the gravity of the situation. You have to let go of any belief that you'll be judged of, of where it is and, and you need to be honest with that professional, whether that's with us or somebody else. Because at, at that level of skepticism that you have in your child, um, you, you can't fix what you're not willing to look at, okay? Um, but when you shine a light on it, then you can see it clearly and, um, and then you can, you can turn it around, right? Uh, you can shift out of that dynamic. Because, so when we think about that level of trust, trust requires vulnerability. And you can't be vulnerable without expecting somebody to, to match you in, in being able to show you a, a way out of it, okay? Um, but if you're holding back in any sort of communication of where you're struggling, uh, that is going to continue to keep you stuck in this dynamic. So I think about being able to break out of that pattern. As we mentioned before, there are, there are many factors that you need to, to address. We've covered many of them today. Um, and, and then the other components are playfully communicating, as I mentioned before, and then systematically uh, holding your child accountable for their choices and holding them accountable for their growth. And that needs to be not only playful, but also pacing them, okay? You can't pace your child if you're lecturing your child. When you lecture your child, you're telling your child that they have to be able to do it right now and you don't understand why they're not doing it right now. And that creates shame. So parenting strategies that include shame to, that um, are, are not going to keep your child in forward momentum. Um, so you have to support your child in noticing when they are demonstrating what you want to see. You have to praise that behavior. You have to show your child that they are capable and you have to do that by helping them practice that behavior more effectively. And to show you that, that they are able to do that, your child needs to be able to be vulnerable enough to have that conversation. Uh, and that requires trust, okay? So when we think about being able to break out of that pattern, if all of these um, principles of, of what is shift, what needs to be shifting, uh, leaves you feeling like you can take notes from this conversation, but you don't know how to practically implement it, then that's a clear indicator that you need professional support. Why? Because honestly, you can. You can go ahead and, and just Google and, and find blogs about all of these topics and do it yourself. We've had plenty of parents say, you know what, I've implemented what you've said from your show, Megan, and it has drastically shifted the dynamic in my household. And then we've had families who say, I don't know how to get out of this. 
and then they realize that they need help okay they they have a conversation with us and they want to speed up the process and they do that by by jumping into working with us directly and then other families get mad at us for not sharing those direct practical strategies on these conversations because they don't realize why we do it and that's okay you can get mad at me all you want but i'm not here to make you happy i'm here to help you break out of the pattern okay so if you're a family who wants to break out of this pattern effectively, you're, you're a family who wants to break out of this pattern and, and do it swiftly, then I encourage you to book a call with us. Have that conversation with a member of our team. We are exceptionally equipped at observing who's a good fit for what we do and who is simply not for, for no fault of your own or because of the actions that you've taken and you're not willing to, to shift. And uh, that is something you need to take responsibility for and that's fine. Uh, whether that's with us or with, with without us. So the important piece to notice is you need to be clear. We have to get you clear on where you're stuck. We have to get you clear on what you're struggling with and what really is the root of the problem, okay? Then once you understand the root of the problem, then it'll be easier for you to understand how to bridge that gap between where what your goals are and what your problem is. And if we can help you bridge that gap based on our system that we've designed here and, um, and have helped countless families uh, break out of that pattern, then we tell you exactly how that works on that same phone call and you can jump into working with us on that same phone call. And we help many, many families do that. If that's not the case, if we feel like a different system is more effective, then we will share with you what that different system is or point you in the direction to find that different system in your local community. Again, like I mentioned, uh, it might be so significant that you need a particular evidence-based therapy in order to, to, to break out of the pattern. And my team is exceptionally trained in understanding the difference, okay? Now, um, for those of you who are needing that support, then, then we point you in that direction. So we only talk about what we do and, and whether or not it's relevant um, and how we would cater it to your particular family if your family's a fit. Otherwise, we're, we're wasting your time and we're wasting our time. We want you to have the right direction and we're happy to have that conversation. We're happy to support you in noticing whether you're a fit as well as making sure that our clients are in the right place and we feel confident in serving you. Okay, um, and, and so that requires a conversation. We, we don't want people jumping in if we haven't uh, heard about their problem. Um, so uh, the, the participation and process of joining boot camp or joining our driver's ed program for, for sensitive kids to learn to drive their own cars, if you will, um, that is by invitation and application only. Okay, so happy to have that conversation with you. That conversation is free and win-win uh, in the sense that you know exactly what you need by the time you finish that conversation. And uh, book your call with a team member to solve this problem so that by the time Christmas rolls around, you're able to break out of this pattern and you know, um, you know how to help your child start in the new year of feeling like a fresh, a fresh new kiddo and a fresh family, right? A totally different um, outlook on life. Okay, and we're happy to have that conversation with you. And we look forward to talking to you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, 
We'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.